You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Cyan, welcome to Brains On Headquarters. The studio is right this way. I'm so excited to be here. Okay, so... Make sure you follow the traffic signal for direction. Traffic signal? Yeah, I installed this new hallway traffic signal to make sure things keep flowing smoothly here at Brains On Headquarters. Whoa, that is not the usual green, yellow, red traffic signal. Good eyes, Cyan. I made a few small tweaks. Nothing too complicated. Small tweaks? Mark, there are now 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 different color lights. Well, yeah. Green means go, red means stop, obviously. And yellow, as we know, means slow down. And blue means sit on the floor and think for a second. Orange means do cartwheels. Purple means dance in a funky manner. Turquoise means wave to the adoring imaginary crowd. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And this magenta one means start humming. Chartreuse means you should pretend to be either uh, riding a unicorn or you are a unicorn yourself. I haven't quite decided which is better. Uh, And this pink one here. Oh, no. What does this pink one mean? I can't possibly have too many different colored lights, can I? No way. I like it. I bet pink means give Mark a high five. Sure. Hold on. Pink light. High five, Mark. My man. Now, purple light. Go ahead and dance yourselves to the studio. In a funky manner. See ya, Mark. You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and I'm here with Cyan from Victoria, British Columbia. Hi, Cyan. Hi, Molly. This episode is a celebration of color. And Cyan, your name itself is a color. Can you describe what Cyan looks like? Sure. Cyan is similar to the color of the sky when it's sunny out. It's a really nice blue. Oh, I love that description. So how did your parents pick that name for you? Um, my dad is an artist. And my mom also really likes art, so they picked my name because they wanted something original and kind of, like, related to colors. Have you ever met another Cyan before? I have never met another Cyan before. (laughs) So do you like being named after a color? Yeah, it's pretty cool to have a unique name. Do you do a lot of explaining about what your name means? Yeah, it's funny because some people like don't understand that I'm named after a color. And it's funny because a lot of people don't understand how to say my name too. What are some of the ways they say it? Sometimes people will be like, oh, hi, Cyan or Cayenne or Cyan. It's kind of funny. Yeah, we should probably say how it's spelled. It's spelled C-Y-A-N. Yes. So do you have a favorite place where you see Cyan in your life? Well, just sometimes just laying in the grass and just looking at the sky because it's really similar to the color cyan. Sounds lovely. Do you have other favorite colors besides cyan? I really like the color lavender. It's like a light purple. It's just really calming and nice. So this episode was inspired by one particular question from a listener that we found super fascinating. My name is Maximilian. I come from Germany, and my question is, why is green the gold color? That is a great question. Yeah, 
Like, why isn't it purple or orange? As we were researching and working on answering this question, we found fascinating stories about other colors too. We don't have time to delve into every color in this one episode, so we're focusing on three. Red, blue, and of course, green. Why these three? You might have heard about primary colors, the colors you can mix together to get other colors. Those are red, yellow, and blue when you're thinking of paint. But red, green, and blue are a different kind of primary color. If you have light from these three shades, red, green, and blue, you can mix them together to get all the colors of light. In fact, TVs and phones and computers all use red, green, and blue to make all the images you see on a screen. Right, so we're going to dig into these three very important colors. But first, we have to make a pit stop to answer this question. Hi, Brains On. My name is Finn, and my question is, how does everything get its color? Well, let us illuminate you. Color starts with light. The main source of light in our galaxy is our friend and yours, the sun. Our pal, the sun, beams out light we can see. That's called visible light. It's what colors our world. And this visible light has a range of energy levels in it. We see these different energy levels as different colors. So when light hits something, some of these specific energies of light are reflected. Those are the colors we see. Other energies of light get absorbed by the object, so we don't see those colors. So when you see a bright orange salamander, for example, it means that light in that orange color range is bouncing off of your amphibian pal and reaching your eyes, making you see it as orange. The salamander's skin absorbs the other colors of light, so you don't see those colors. If you stop to think about it, this is a mind-blowing fact. Sunlight and the white light from light bulbs actually contain all the colors at once. All the colors are shining down all the time, but you only see certain ones when they get bounced back to the cells in your eyes. More on those cells in a second, but first, Cyan, are you ready to bounce around some ideas about the... Yes. Here it is. Okay. Cyan, what is your guess? There's like a beeping. Mm -hmm. And it also sounded like it was raining. Interesting. So any thoughts about what could possibly be beeping? And some kind of rain sound? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Okay, well, we're going to give you another chance to hear it and guess again a little bit later in the show. Another big piece of how color works is our eyeball machinery. Brains on producer Manika Wilhelm is here to tell us more about that. Hi, Molly. Hi, Cyan. I talked to a physicist named Poopa Gilbert about this. And Cyan, she's actually one of your fans. My very favorite color is cyan, or turquoise, as I call it. And besides telling me how much she likes the color behind your name, she helped sketch out how we see all the colors, which, prepare yourselves, is going to take us to the very back of the eyeball, or the retina. Molly, do you have the zoom ray ready? Ready. Awesome. 
to the retina. Wow, there's a whole tiny world back here. There's even a jazz club. Yeah, we're headed there soon, actually. But first, the lay of the land. When light bounces off things in the world and into your eyeballs, cells back here notice that light and send messages to your brain. So these are specific type of brain cells that are sensitive to light. We have a couple different kinds of these cells. There are rod cells and cone cells. Rod cells help us see in low light situations. They're basically black and white vision. Cone cells, on the other hand, they sense colors. These are the ones we're talking about today. And get this, there are just three different kinds of cone cells that help us see the whole entire rainbow. So we see color through three different types of cones that are, for simplicity, called the red, green, and blue cones in the back of our eye. Our eyes have millions of these cone cells, and each one is either a red cone, a blue cone, or a green cone. So with just those three types of cones, the red, the green, and the blue, we can see all the colors? Exactly. They actually help you see other colors too, like yellow and purple and orange. How does that work? Well, to explain it, let's step into that jazz club you mentioned. You can think of the three cones as a little like a jazz trio. Long red, here on the keys. Reds, get my jets going. And mezzo greeno is my name. This saxophone is my game. That's mezzo like middle, since I'm into greens, the in-betweens of the rainbow. Plucking this bass, blue shorty here. Blues hit me right in my feels. So those are cone cells? Yep, we sometimes call these the red, green, and blue cones, but each cone really senses a whole range of colors. It's not as if the red cones are only sensitive to red light. They're actually sensitive to a very broad range. That's important because there are a lot of colors to see. Sure are. This rainbow trio wants you to see them all. So when the light hits us, we play the brain a tune describing what we see. Your brain makes our beautiful signals into your mental picture of the world. Since each cone signals for a range of colors, you can think of long red, that red cone, playing reds and also oranges and yellows and even some greens. So most colors set off more than one cone at once. Right, we're just not that big on solos. And when two cones respond to the same color, their signals will be at different levels. For this trio, you can think about different cones playing together, but at a different volume. When you're looking at a deep purple plum, I play nice and loud. Because remember, I don't just play blues, also purples too. And I join in, hit a couple of notes quietly, even though that might surprise you. I may be long red, but I sense some purple light as well. So do I, even though my forte is green. But I just pick up a little purple, so it's just like a quiet little ditty. So that purple plum is really a mix of signals from each cone. Same with orange, even though none of these cones ever get called orange cones. Orange cones belong on the road, directing traffic, not in the eye. We handle orange just fine on our own. Like, say you're looking at an orange cat. 
I play the loudest. Mezzo Greeno backs me up, and Blue Shorty keeps his volume real low. These different signals from all three cones are almost a little code. The brain can decode it, and each translation becomes a color you see. And these multi-talented cones sound just great. It seems like this jazz trio is taking a break. Molly, can you zoom us out to our normal sizes? Absolutely. All right, nice shrinky-dinking with you all, but I've got a scoot. See you soon. Thanks, Manika. Anytime. Bye. Now that we've explored how we see colors, let's get to know those three main ones a little better. Red, blue, and green. And red is up first. We thought red would be a good place to start because it's a powerful color that can stir up a lot of feelings. Which is something Brains On listeners have wondered about. My name is Inia and I live in Houston, Texas. My question is, why are certain colors associated with certain moods or emotions? Hi, my name is Violet. I'm nine years old. And my question is, why do people like certain colors? My name is Zoe from Mannheim, Pennsylvania, and I want to know, do different colors affect how we feel? So this is a really interesting one. There are essentially a few different reasons why colors can really affect people. That's Cassia St. Clair. She's a writer and color expert who wrote the book, The Secret Lives of Color. Some of it is cultural. For example, in the West, if you think of royalty and you are asked to associate a colour with royalty, most people will often say purple. And that is in part because in the ancient world, there was a very um, expensive purple dye that was actually made from sea snails that was purple and was reserved almost exclusively for royalty. Oh, your royal cape is so divine. Why, thank you. It's made from the finest sea snails. But if you were to ask someone in China what colour they associated with royalty, they would most likely say yellow, because in China, a yellow dye was reserved for royalty. Cassia told us that colors can have personal associations, too. For example, if your bedroom is painted green and you do fun stuff in there, read stories, play with toys, listen to podcasts, you might associate the color green with feeling happy. And green might bring on the same feelings as you get older, even if you have a new room in a different color. But we're here to talk about red. Right. Cyan, when you think of red, what comes to mind? I think of red fruit and vegetables like apples and strawberries. And then I think of dragons. Mmm, I like that. Well, Cassia says that throughout history, people have been very interested in red. Red has always had this really important place in human culture. It's very often associated with um, burials. You very often find red pigments or red dyed cloth in graves all over the world from China to South America to Europe. In 
ancient Egypt, there's a god of the afterlife who's also known by the name Lord of the Red Cloth. And very often in Egyptian burials, mummies were often found with cloth that had been dyed red with a pigment um, or colorant called hematite. Hematite is a pigment that comes from iron in the earth. It can be used as a dye or paint. So you've probably seen that red-orange color that metal gets when it's rusty. If you took that metal and wiped it on your shirt, then you'd basically be doing the same thing as the ancient Egyptians. Cassia says that people found other natural ways to make red too. You also get um, red dyes that are produced by insects, believe it or not. Tiny, tiny insects that are so small, um, they almost look like grains of rice. But when you squish them, they produce a very powerful red colorant. And this is called cochineal. The best um, types of cochineal come from South and and Central America and are in fact still used today um, as a food colouring and as a colouring in cosmetics. Nobody can really say why people have been drawn to red for so long, but its popularity is clear, even to this day. It seems to be near universal that red has a power over us that can be seen throughout all cultures and over a vast range of time. And so it's very difficult to tell because we do have all these personal feelings and it's it's very difficult to untangle what colours mean to us. But there's no denying that colour has the power to influence our mood and to make us feel happy or sad or to remember certain people or friends. And in that way, colour has a real power over us and is incredibly important in our lives, even if we don't always know exactly why. Clearly, colors can inspire a lot of feelings, but they can inspire other things, too. Like superheroes. Oh, yeah. We asked you to dream up a color hero for this episode, and you sent us some super creative ideas. Hi, my name is Ellie, and I am from Folsom, California. My color superhero is Super Silver. She can give silver to people in need. Hello, my name is Max from Basel, Switzerland. My color superhero would be Aqua Ninja. He can control water and stand on water. Hi, Brandon. My name is Matthew, and I am from New Westminster, B.C. My superhero's name is Mr. Planto, and he is the color green. He can fight pollution and grow any plants in the world. And his sidekick's name is Planty. He can destroy pollution or anything he wants and he can make a plant wall. Thank you. My name is Tupelo. I am from Minneapolis, Minnesota. My superhero's name is Rainbow Star. Her powers are she can shoot rainbows from her hands and she spreads lots of color all around the world. We've got more color heroes coming up. Plus, we're diving into deep blue and gorgeous green right after this. 
Do you have a mystery sound you want to share with us? A question you want answered on the show? Or maybe a drawing of your fabulous color superhero? Send those all to us at brainson.org contact. That's what this listener did. My name is Gabe from Brighton, Michigan. My question is, why are bees black and yellow? We'll be back with the answer to that question at the end of the show. That's our moment of um. And we'll have the most recent group of listeners to be added to the Brains Honor Roll. We also want to hear from you for an episode we're working on right now about tiny robots. We want to know if you could invent a tiny robot, what would it do and what noise would it make? My tiny robot would vacuum up pollen before it could get to my nose and it would sound like this. Share your tiny robot jobs and noises with us at brainson.org slash contact. Can't wait to hear from you. On. My name is Andrew and I live in New Westminster, BC, Canada. My colored superhero is red and he is called Oxygenist. His superpower is he breathes in carbon dioxide and breathes out oxygen. I gave him this superpower because he will stop climate change and global warming. Hi, I'm Summer and my color superhero's color is blue. Its name is Sea Blue and its superpowers are to control the sea. Hi, Rainzon. My name is Jack from San Antonio, Texas. And my color superhero is Red Fire. He shoots fire out of his eyes. Hi, my name is Amira, and I am a 10-year-old from Zionsville, Indiana. My color-inspired superhero was named Purple Petites. Her superpower is that she can squeeze the tiny spaces. She lives in Color Kingdom and her enemies are the Jasper Junk Food Bandits. They try to convince Color Kingdom into only eating junk food. Don, don, don! You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly. And I'm Cyan. And I'm Ruby. Hey, it's our friend Ruby Guthrie. She's here with a story about blue. Hi, Molly. Hi, Cyan. So far, we've talked a lot about how we see colors and what different colors mean. But have you ever wondered how you make a color? I have a rough idea. Usually, I think of, like, paint and just mixing, like, the primary colors together. Yeah, you can create a lot of colors that way. Listeners Jonah and Kayla also had some colorful questions. Hi, my name is Kayla, and I live in Davis, California. Hi, I'm Jonah from Ventura, California. My question is, how do people make color? My question is, how are colors created? Great questions. And I was curious, too. So I talked to Moss Subramanian. He's a chemistry professor at Oregon State University. About 10 years ago, Moss created a color in his lab. But it happened all by accident. One day, Moss was in his lab and he was mixing different chemicals, trying to create a new material for computers. He told his grad student to mix three compounds containing three elements. Yttrium, that's white. Indium, which is yellow. And manganese, that's black. 
They took these materials and heated them up in a super hot oven. This way, all the elements could mix together to form a new compound, kind of like when you bake a cake. But when they took it out, they were shocked. I noticed that they came out stunningly blue, which I did not expect. Now, imagine my surprise because I started with materials that, are, that were white, yellow, and black in color, and out came this brilliant blue. Moss named it Yin Min Blue after the three elements, yttrium, indium, and magnes. Now, Yin Min Blue isn't a new color per se, but rather a new blue pigment. A pigment is usually a powder that you use to add color to other things like paint, ink, or cloth. And civilizations have struggled for centuries trying to make blue pigments, mostly because it's such a rare color. There aren't many things that are naturally blue, and if you try to create blue with chemistry, it can be tricky to get it right. For example, in the Renaissance period, painters used ultramarine, a pigment made from the gemstone lapis lazuli. Ultramarine was ultra expensive, because not only was it made from a rare material, but it also took weeks to extract the color. Since this took so much work, sometimes ultramarine costs more than gold. So, when Moss realized he had made such a vivid blue, he put his computer work on hold to look more into his new discovery. Immediately I recognized these compounds may have a potential to be useful as blue pigment, as they are very stable, and no change in color when exposed to very high temperatures. Moss just said that this blue is really stable. That means it doesn't change much when it comes in contact with things like heat, water, or even acid. That makes it super tough and long-lasting, which is great for painting things like cars and buildings. It's so cool, literally. Not only is blue a cool-toned color, but Yinmin Blue actually deflects heat, meaning heat bounces off of it. So it stays cool even if it's exposed to really hot temperatures. So if you coat a building or a car with Yinmin Blue, it can keep the building cooler or the car cooler during summertime. So otherwise we call this as a cool pigment. So that makes it very special because no other blue pigments actually reflect heat. Now that's chilling in a freezer with sunglasses kind of cool. And to think it all started with an accident. Most of the amazing discoveries come by accident. Not everything can be predicted or never everything can be discovered by planning. I tell my students, don't think too much. Just do it in the lab and you may be able to create something interesting, actually. Moss is totally right. A lot of times, I think we think of accidents as bad things but they can actually be a really good chance for us to learn and explore. And his accident is leading to even more exploring. Moss is now trying to make a red pigment that's as stable as Yinmin Blue. So keep experimenting. You never know what you might discover. Thanks, Ruby. Thank you. And I'm off to the kitchen. I'm really craving some blueberries. All right, Cyan, are you ready to hear the mystery sound one more time? Yes. Okay, here it is.
Okay, any new thoughts? Maybe a car backing up in the rain. Oh, good thought. Like, yeah, sometimes when cars back up, they make that beeping sound. Mm-hmm. Excellent thought. Well, we're going to hear it again, and this time there's a hint in the sound. Okay. Okay. What do you think now that you heard that more complete sound? Huh. Maybe a plane landing? Oh, yeah, because I heard the word California in there. Yeah. That's an excellent guess. Well, that is the sound of a signal at a crosswalk. (laughs) So, you know, sometimes they have those voices that talk to you while you're waiting for the crosswalk. Yeah. At some traffic intersections, the signals beep one way to tell you to wait and change to a different beep when it's time to go. And that brings us back to that very important color question. Why is green the gold color? We asked our resident plant lover and general green thing enthusiast, Sandon Totten, to look into this. Oh, I love talking about green. Did you know George Washington loved the color? He called it grateful to the eye. And studies suggest just looking at green boosts your creativity. And right, one of green's most important roles is being the go color. But why? I asked historian Megan Kate Nelson to weigh in. The green for go and the red for stop came from the railroad industry. Turns out stoplight inventors picked green since it worked so well for trains. But get this. Originally for trains, white was the go color. What? I know. Check it out. This was before lights ran on electricity. Back then, you didn't flick a switch or press a button to turn on a light. Oh, no. You lit a match to light a lamp. Lamps were basically teeny tiny fires in a container. Picture a metal cylinder with a light from a fire shining through a glass window. That's a lamp. Megan Kate Nelson, our historian friend, says back then, train stations lit a plain white lamp to mean go. To mean stop, they simply covered the same lantern with a red glass cover. They ran into some problems when they were using white as go because sometimes the red glass would break and then it would be all white. Oof. Yeah, mixing up stop and go, very bad news. They changed it to green so that you had a a very clear difference. That way, if the green glass broke, which happened from time to time, conductors would know something was up because the light was white, not green or red. But wait, so why did railroads pick green for go? I mean, why not purple or blue? Well, it seems like railroads chose it because factories used it. The very first factories that created all kinds of different objects had really big machines. And, you you know, you could tell that they were on or off from the noise. But you also flipped a switch to turn them on. And that switch was often green. Now, it's hard to find an explanation for why green was used in early factories. My friends, it's a secret lost to the green mists of time. But maybe it was because green things rule. You know, these factory people could have been inspired by green ferns or green emeralds. Probably not green boogers, but maybe green parakeets or green algae or grasshoppers. Ooh, praying mantises. Four-leaf clovers, three-leaf clovers, five-leaf clovers. Green mold on bread. Probably not green mold on bread. Maybe Ninja Turtle. Gremlins. Green 
Mint Leaves. Colors happen because of bouncing light. The light that bounces off of something is the color you see. Eyes take in colors with special cells called cone cells. Then the brain builds a picture of what the world looks like. Red has been used as a powerful symbol in many cultures throughout history. People associate different colors with different feelings, depending on where they might have first experienced that color. Blue was once a really rare color pigment, but scientists are finding new ways to create it. Green first started to mean go in factories, then railroads, and eventually stoplights. That's it for this episode of Brains On. It was produced by Manica Wilhelm, Mark Sanchez, Sandin Totten, and Molly Bloom. We had production help from Sabby Robinson, Ruby Guthrie, and Christina Lopez, and engineering help from John Miller. Special thanks to Ladena Racine, Olivia Cusio, Luke Burbank, Andrew Walsh, Rosie DuPont, and Libby Dinkman. Now, before we go, it's time for our moment of um. My question is, why are bees black and yellow? There's a fancy term for that. It's called aposematic coloration. And what that does is it tells predators um, not to eat it. My name is Dan Carvo. In Minnesota, I'm an assistant professor of entomology. Entomology, by the way, is a study of insects. And I look at native bees. So when we think of bees, we can think of things like a honeybee. But in reality, there's 20,000 or more species of bees on Earth. And so we kind of study those other bees. If you think about it, the black and the yellow, they're very high contrasting colors. So you have this very dark black and then a very bright yellow. And what that does is it makes it very easy to see as opposed to something that might be green and drab, right? And so it's very easy. And what that does is it helps tell predators that, uh, in fact, this is something you don't want to eat. It's something you don't want to touch, that really bright coloration. There's a number of other animals that do this, so things like coral snakes or, or poison arrow frogs. There are butterflies that are poisonous that, that all look alike, and that helps them kind of realize that the predators shouldn't, shouldn't eat them. As I mentioned, there's 20,000 species of bees on Earth, and actually most of them are not yellow and black. So we have all different colors of bees. There's greens and there's blues and there's all sorts of browns and blacks. So um, go ahead and look at all the different species that are out there. They're fascinating. Um, um, um. I'm tickled pink to read this list of names. It's time for the Brains Honor Roll. These are the amazing listeners who share their questions, ideas, mystery sounds, drawings, and high fives with us. Claire from Houston, Pearl from Lawrence, Kansas, WC and Reese from Claremont, Florida, Sophia and Millie from Windsor, United Kingdom, Keller from Edwards, Colorado, Katie from Wellington, New Zealand, Daphne from Fairfield, Connecticut, Robin Jude from Hyattsville, Maryland, Ellis from Chicago, Akil from Sewanee, Georgia, Eleanor and Zoe from Des Moines, Carmen from Los Angeles, Angeles, Autumn from Hubbardston, Massachusetts, AJ from Danbury, Connecticut, Riley and Rowan from Grand Rapids, Michigan, Parker from Stamford, Connecticut, Fern and Tallis from Bloomington, Indiana, Betsy from New Palestine,
Irvine, Indiana, Ekram from Tacoma, Washington, Ethan and Levi from Sandy, Utah, Sam from New Orleans, Julia from Walkerton, Indiana, Sophia from Sandy, Oregon, Lucy from North Charleston, South Carolina, Olive and Felix from Ogden, Utah, Viara from Boston, Grant from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Andrew and Peter from Dural, Australia, Levon from Rochester, New York, Ivy and Clementine from Raleigh, North Carolina, Lila from Minneapolis, Felix from Kelowna, British Columbia, Trigger and Charlie from Scandia, Minnesota, Shresh from Waterloo, Ontario, Sienna from New Jersey, John from Didcot, United Kingdom, Hope from McDonough, Georgia, Kylie and Finn from Frankfurt, Delaware, Ziona and Tupac from Los Angeles, Amelia from Nobleboro, Maine, Ethan from Spirit River, Alberta, Painter from Lyme, Connecticut, Darby from Guelph, Ontario, Parker from Turner, Oregon, Isa from Santa Barbara, California, Will from Buena Vista, Colorado, Sawyer from West Point, Virginia, Maggie from Portland, Maine, Lena from Palo Alto, California, Penny from Belmont, California, RJ and Abiraj from Pleasanton, California, Daphne and Evie from Edmonton, Alberta, Caleb and Joshua from Orlando, Florida, and Mia and Adi from Milton, Georgia. Brains On will be back soon with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening.